Well, as Pastor mentioned, we are wrapping up this series from the book of James called Be Real Because Fake is Exhausting. And I don't know about you, how many of you just by a show of hands would be like me and just say, Pastor, I have had to make some changes throughout this series. I've been convicted about some things, had to make some changes in my own life. It's just been an incredible series. I have gone home from some of these sermons and just said, Lord, forgive me and help me grow here. Also, today as we're wrapping this up, and you've been, maybe many of you have been studying along with us, we're in the book of James, and, and we're going to be in chapter 5. And the way James wraps up chapter 5, he talks about real prayer. And so if you're taking notes today, I'm going to be talking about real prayer, real prayer. This whole series has taught us how to avoid the trap of fake Christianity. And the reason it's teaching us that is so that we can enjoy the life that God intended for us. You see, the, God, the life that God intended for us is an abundant life, a, a life of peace, a life of provision, a life of wholeness and wellness, a, a life with purpose beyond everyday life. It's, just, it's the true life that God intended. And the only way we can really experience it, it was with a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're diving into a real authentic relationship today. I want to help you unlock some keys there to what real prayer is about and what it's really like. But first, I want to open with a short story about a lady who understood that when we pray real prayers, God answers those prayers, and sometimes in ways that we really don't expect it. You see, she was a little widow woman who had children, and she was constantly, as she's walking around the house and around the neighborhood and in the yard, just out loud thanking God for her blessings and out loud talking to God and praising God and giving her requests to God. And all of her neighbors could hear her praying and talking to God on a regular basis. And it just so happened that one of her neighbors, her next door neighbor, was an atheist, and he didn't even believe in God. He was getting fed up with her always talking to this God that he didn't believe in. And one day he overhears her. She's on the back porch and she's praying and she's saying, Father, would you provide food for my kids? I need to feed my kids. God, I need your provision today. I need you to, to take care of my children today and help me to feed them. And the atheist overheard it and he thought, man, I'm just going to play a little prank on her and teach her a valuable lesson. And so he runs to the, the grocery store and he loads up his cart with everything he thinks that his neighborhood kids would enjoy, this family next door to him. And he gets all of those groceries and he bags them up and he comes to the house where the, the widow lives and he lays those groceries out on the front porch and he rings the doorbell and he jumps into the bushes and he waits. Out comes the little widow woman and she sees those groceries and she throws her hands in the air and she said, Lord, you heard my prayers. You provided for my family. Thank you, Father, for your provision. And right in the middle of her thanking God, that atheist jumps out from behind the bush and he said, I gotcha. God didn't provide those groceries. I went and bought those groceries. Now, don't you feel foolish praying to a God that doesn't exist and thanking him for things that he can't even do? And the widow woman paused briefly and she threw her hands back in the air and she said, thank you, Lord. Not only did you provide for my needs, you got the devil to pay for it. Yeah. Amen. Now she understood real prayer moves God. Amen. Real prayer does move God. You know, when I say real prayer, that implies there's such a thing as fake prayer. And some of you may understand that. There may even be people under the sound of my voice today that you're saying, Pastor Jason, I've just given up on praying. Because I really don't even know if God answers prayer. And I'm here to tell you today, God always answers prayer. He answers real, authentic prayer. Now, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, but God always 
answers prayer. As a matter of fact, just lean into me just a little bit. I'm going to share something that may actually surprise you. God wants, he longs, he desires to answer our prayers. He really wants to. It's not some big mystery that we've got to just get everything perfect and unlock it and make it happen. No, he just wants it to be real so that he can intervene and he can answer it today. And so fake prayer is something that stops God from answering. So you may say, Pastor Jason, how do I discover what fake prayer is so I can stay away from that? I'm so glad you asked that. The book of James actually talks about that. And we're going to dive into that today. In James chapter 1, he points out something about fake prayer. Verses 5 and eight, through 8, James teaches us how to pray, how when we pray without faith, it doesn't move the heart of God. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see, fake prayer doesn't believe. And so before you begin to pray, if you want a litmus test of, is my prayer real or is it fake? Stop and ask yourself, do you believe in what you're about to ask God for? Do you believe that God's able to answer that prayer in that moment? Or how many times, and just, you don't even have to raise your hand, just be honest with yourself. Have you lobbed up a prayer out of tradition? Well, this is what mom did when the bills got bigger than the budget and we ran out of money before we ran out of month. And, and this is what mom did. She would just lay the bills on the table and she would pray to God. So I'm just doing that and maybe something will happen. Or how many of you, when you sit down to pray over your meal, every meal, it's the exact same prayer and you memorized it when you were a child. Maybe it was like what I memorized, rub-a-dub-dub, bless this grub, yea, Lord, you know? <laughs> or is it a sincere Real prayer that I believe that God is listening, that God's leaning in, that God is hearing. You see, when we pray prayer out of habit or we pray prayer out of tradition and it's not out of relationship, that is a fake prayer because we're not believing that God is hearing. We're not believing for those miracles. And James says, hey, if you do that and if you, if you don't believe, then you're going to be like the one who doubts, who's tossed around like a wave blown by the wind. That's fake prayer. In James chapter 4, verse 3, he addresses another type of fake prayer. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. When prayer is fake, it is driven by the wrong motives, by what you can get out of it, by what blesses you, what makes you feel best. When prayer is fake, it, is, it becomes frustrating to you because you think that God is a genie in the bottle and you're lobbing up a wish to him and you can't get the genie to leave the bottle to, to make your wish happen. And, and you've seen prayer. I'm sure this isn't you, but you, you've seen that fake kind of prayer, you know, where you buy your scratch off. Come on, Lord. If you will give this to me, I'll tie 20%. Amen. Come on, Lord. Is it... If I win 190 million, I will give half of it to, to missions and I'll just, I'll suffer and live off the other half. Come on, Lord. That's a wrong motive. God does want to bless you. He really does. He doesn't want to withhold provision from you. But God cares more about the long-term result of those answered prayers. He cares more about your soul and about your long-term health than he does about your current circumstances in this moment. What God is concerned with is what's best for you long-term. Now, how many of you in here that have kids, let your kids plan the menu for dinner and for lunch every week? 
Oh, yeah, it'd be great. So we're going to have chocolate pudding and chocolate donuts and chocolate milk. And we're going to wrap it off with something that has a little bit of protein in it. We're going to have a Snickers because they have peanuts in them. And those peanuts have protein. So we're going to have a healthy meal tonight. No. You say, eat your Brussels sprouts, baby. Come on, that broccoli's good for you. Those carrots will make your eyes stronger. Hey, eat that chicken so you can grow some strong muscles. Drink this, drink this milk so you can get some, some strong bones, right? You want what's best for them long term. And God's the same way with us. And so fake prayer is one that's prayed out of the wrong motives. As we've already learned in this series, Satan loves for us to live a fake life. He loves for us to fall into the trap of being a fake Christian. We've heard how he's okay with us having a little faith as long as we don't have works that go along with it. He's okay with us being a hearer of the word as long as we don't do anything about it or with it. He's even okay with us praising God with our words as long as we use the same mouth mouth to curse our brothers. Satan's okay with that. That's a fake Christian life, right? And you can believe this. He is is okay with us praying a lot as long as we're praying fake prayers and accomplish little. That's what James is warning against here. You can pray a prayer that even makes Satan happy. It's a fake prayer. And you're you're thinking now, Jason, now that we know this, I just want to know what does a fake prayer or what does a real prayer look like? What does an effective prayer look like? I I don't want to have the kind of prayer that you're talking about. I want to have a real prayer. James talks about that in the book of, uh, in chapter five, starting in verse 13, the first thing that he teaches us, he says to pray through suffering, James 5, 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should say it with me, pray. Come on, say it one more time. You should pray. pray. Midwest city, Northwest, Indy, you guys say it with me. You should pray. Are you suffering? You should pray. Pray. My papa is one of the greatest men of prayer that I've ever known. Matter of fact, I got a picture of papa up here, and that's papa with my son just about a, a year and a half ago, staying there together. And papa understands suffering. He was born during the Depression to a sharecropper. He got a sixth grade education and then had to quit school so he could help make sure that to do the work to make sure his family was fed. He got married at a young age, and he started having kids right away and to provide for his kids since he only had a sixth-grade education. He had to work hard jobs, jobs that brought hardship on his body, and it was, a tough, it was just a tough life. Then he began driving a freight truck and, or truck and hauling freight, and this is back in the day when it was really hard. When you drove your own semi, the big truck, the one that almost runs you off the road half the time you're driving down the highway, that, that truck, you would load your own trailer completely full then jump in it, drive it to the destination, and then you would help unload it, or sometimes you would even unload it yourself at that destination, jump back in, and start over again. It was a hard life. And in 1981, Papa was 50 years old. He injured his back while hauling freight. And that injury was so severe, it forced him into an early medical retirement. Now, something you didn't know about Papa. Papa, he used to shoot bow and arrow competitions. He loves to fish. He, he, he loved to work on cars, he even was helping me rebuild my very first car. He, he loved to go camping. He loved to do things with his family. He was active. He was a man's man. You know what I mean? Just one of those guys. And now all of a sudden, this man's man who provided through, through hard work for his family was flat on his back. 
And this is an opportunity for him to get depressed. This is an opportunity for him to feel like less of a man. This is an opportunity for him to lay there and actually get angry with God. But you know what Papa did instead? He dove deeper into his relationship with God. He began to pray real prayers, laying there on his back, suffering. He began to cry out to the Lord and seek God with all of his heart and all of his might. And as he began to do that, God began to do miracles in his family, miracles in his friends, people coming to know the Lord, physical healings taking place. God began to do things in his life life like never before because he was praying a real prayer. He was praying a prayer through suffering. Years later, Papa had a uh, shed built in his backyard and one quarter of the shed is his prayer room now. And he, he takes me there and says, come on, grandson. And we go in there and on the walls, there's pictures of all of his family. There's newspaper clippings about his family, different things happening and taking place. And every day, Papa goes out there, and he lays his hands on those pictures, and he cries out to God, and he seeks God for his family, and he cries out to the Lord. He prays real prayer, earnest prayers, powerful prayers, fiery prayers, prayers that are rattling the rafters. As a matter of fact, his neighbor behind him asked one of our other family members, said, that old man in there pray like that all the time. I can hear him all the way in my kitchen. I mean, he is crying out to God out there in that shed, and he, he is reaching God. Even in his suffering, he is praying real prayers today. Two of his grandsons are in full-time ministry. He has another grandson who travels to third world countries to share the gospel on a regular basis. He has a great granddaughter that's about to marry a youth pastor and go into full-time ministry. The majority of his family is serving God today because he prayed through the suffering. Amen. He prayed through the suffering. Papa is 86 years old now, and he hasn't lived one day since the injury without back pain. But for 36 years of pain, 36 years of hardship has become 36 years of real prayer, like the book of James is talking about. Amen? Real prayer prays through the hardship and through the suffering. Number two, real prayer prays through the good times also. That verse in James 5.13 has a second part. It says, are, are any of you happy? You should sing praises, which means just sing your prayer of thanks. That's what he's telling you to do. Many times we only pray when things are hard or when there's a crazy emergency. Those Jesus take the wheel moments. Have you ever had one of those moments, you know, when just something came up immediately and you needed God to intervene? Now, listen, I know this is not you. I'm sure that you have one of those friends, though, that you know that do this. In Oklahoma, when it goes dry for a long time, then all of a sudden we have a great big thunderstorm come through and a lot of rain comes and it begins to puddle on the highways. We'll be driving down the road and going about 60 miles an hour. And if you've never experienced this before, it's called hydroplaning. When you hit one of those puddles and your car's going down the road and your tires begin to float on top of the water and all of a sudden you're turning this way, but you're, you're back into your car's coming this way. You know, you've had those moments and you've been with those people. And I know this isn't you, but those people that cry out, Lord, take control right now. Save me me right now. And I'll give you half of my money. I'll tithe 20%. I'll go to foreign countries. I'll share the gospel. I'll give you my firstborn child. Just get me out of this mess. And you look over them and say, you, you haven't prayed all day. You haven't prayed all week. You haven't prayed all year. Those are moments when it's easy for us to go to God. And God wants us to cry out to him. Don't get me wrong. But God wants us to cry out to him and worship him even during the good times and to seek him during the good times. God wants us to get up in the morning when our relationships are right and our finances are right and our job is right and our family is right. And then he wants us to throw up our hands and he say, thank you, God, for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. You are the father of lights. You give all good gifts. That's what God wants in the bad and the good times. You see, it's a constant conversation with God when it's real. It's a real conversation. It's real prayer. 
And that's what James is saying. Hey, not only in the hardship, not only when you're hydroplaning and you're giving God everything, but when times are great, when everything is right, real prayer, praise to God. Real prayer is not about asking God for help or for stuff. Real prayer is about conversation with God on his terms on a regular basis. And number three, real prayer prays through sickness. James 5, 14 says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it, real prayer prays. Even when your body is weak, real prayer prays. Even when you're too weak to pray, but you have a real relationship with God, you understand the power of real prayer. Do you call somebody else who can pray a real prayer and you have them pray because real prayer prays through the sickness. Real prayer cries out to God even when you don't feel like it. Real prayer prays when you're too weak to get up and pray. Real prayer brings people around that can, that can really pray. Even when you are sick, James says, real prayer prays. This is why it's so important that you have a church family. This is why it's so important that in that church family you join a small group. You need a group of people that you're doing life with that know how to pray, that you can call up when you're, when you're struggling or when you're sick or when you're too weak to pray and say, pray for me. When, when, when you ate that bad food at, at whatever that restaurant is and you're over the toilet and you're going, oh, call them and say, pray now, pray. I mean, you need those kind of friends that you can cry out to God and, and, and cry out to them and they'll cry out to God for you. You need real friends who can pray real Prayers, my small group, if you read my small group thread, you would see it pages and pages. Hey, and men like to do it on a text thread because we don't like to get gushy and emotional. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't even put emojis, right? We're just like, pray. <laughs> I'm dealing with something, man. Pray. Pray for my family. I'm going, traveling, pray. But if you read that thread, you would realize that we are men of real prayer. And we've surrounded ourselves with men of real prayer. And even when we are too weak to, to, to pray, we have men around us who will pray. And that's what real prayer is all about. James says, real prayer prays even when you're sick. Number four, real prayer prays through sin, addictions, and bondage. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest, which means the real, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Real prayer is real, not fake. Real prayer is honest, not deceptive. Real prayer is trans transparent, not secretive. Even when you have sinned, you can pray a real prayer. Here's what it is. Sometimes we, we feel like we have sin in our life or we feel like we have an addiction in our life and we're afraid to cry out to God because we have failed and God's saying, no, 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 that's not what it's about. I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross. Even while you were a sinner, I heard your prayer when you cried out to me for forgiveness. God is saying, even in sin, even in addiction, even in your bondage, if you'll cry out to God, that's a real prayer. That's what he's longing for. And be honest about it. Be real about it. God, I'm weak. I'm a sinner. I dropped the ball again, Lord. I missed that. I need your help. Real prayer prays even when you're struggling with things that would make you ashamed to stand before God. God says this. He says that not only that, you can bring someone else into the prayer and have them to stand in and pray with you. The earnest prayer, it says, the real prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, wonderful results, real results, because it's real prayer. This is also why it's important for you to be in a small group. With my small group, we confess things that 
to each other when we have needs and struggles and former addictions or current struggles. or We confess those things and we say, pray for me. Help me. Real prayer does that. Real prayer doesn't judge them. Real prayer says, I'll pray. Real prayer says, let's go to God. Real prayer prays through the sin, through the addiction, and through the bondage. Real prayer. If you're taking notes, grab your pens, your smartphones, your tablet. If you've been writing on your hand, you may want to move to your forearm. There's a lot I'm about to give you. We're only scratching the surface today due to our time limitations. But I want to give you some Bible verses on real prayer. Write these down, read them later, and ask God to show you what he's looking for. You never know. There may be somebody standing on the stage one day that's your grandchild saying, my mamaw knows how to pray. My papa knows how to pray because of what you learn today and you pass on to the next generation. I'm going to go slowly so you can write. Just get the reference down. You may not be able to get the rest of it down, but get the scripture reference down. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Paul says to devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 tells us to pray continually. Continually. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Philippians 4 and 6. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Pray about everything. Everything, Philippians 4 and 6, Luke 18 and 1, Jesus, in chapter chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus told the disciples a story about a widow woman in order to teach them that they should always pray and not give up. That's in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Romans 12 and 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. That's Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Next step for you. You may be wondering, what do I do with this? Pastor Jason, what does it look like tomorrow when I wake up? What does praying without ceasing mean? What does that look like? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Doing your devotion and your prayer time every morning, great job. I do the same thing. But James is taking it a step further. Paul is taking it a step further. It's good to do that, but that's not the limitation of a conversation with God. The conversation with God is continual. It is real. The conversation with God is real prayer. When you pray when you're suffering, when you pray when you're happy, and you, you pray when you're sick, and, and when, you, when you're in sin, and you're addicted, and you're bound, you pray. That's real prayer. You know, here at People's Church, we say it's okay not to be okay, Amen. But it's not okay to stay that way. So even when you're not okay, that's when you dive in, you dig in, and you say, God, I need you. That's when you pray and you seek the Lord. Yes, it's okay. We will accept you as you are. But God will take you as you are, and he will make you into who you're supposed to be. But he'll only do it through real prayer, seeking him. Amen? That's what he's hungry for. As we close today, I'm going to ask, what do you need prayer for? We're about to pray some real prayers and we're about to believe God. Some of you would say you don't have a constant prayer life, a very consistent one, and you don't have a consistent conversation with God. Pray and ask him to help you with that today. Some of you need to commit to go home and read these scriptures. You need to take some time and think and meditate on them and just take them to God and say, God, what is real prayer? Put aside all your preconceived ideas and go to scripture and say, God, what does it mean to really pray and to seek your face? Some of you need to be honest before God. You need to be genuine. 
Hey, you need to be real. God likes that. Because fake is so exhausting. Real prayers are real conversations with God. Not based on how you say things, but on the posture of your heart. That's what God longs for. Be real. Let's seek God with all of our might. Let's start being people of real prayer. Let's be a church of real prayer. Let's be a body of believers of real prayer and going after God with all our heart. And let's see what God does as we, we join together and we begin to pray real prayers.